town Civic pride and civic duty And Denton girls are Full of beauty Welcome to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This is episode 30. I'm joined by co-host Austin Zamhereri. Our guest this week is Tristan Siegel. He is doing Decriminalized Denton. Welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. See you guys. Yeah, very excited to have you here. Um, For those who don't know, me personally, uh, I grew up in the Denton County area, uh, partially in Denton, partially in Louisville, uh, but I graduated from high school from the very famous Denton, uh, Billy Ryan High School, <laughs> Denton off of McKinney Street. And so, uh, you know, I grew up in my youth traveling down McKinney Street on, on the bike, down University, up and down the square, Locust, Elm Street, uh, you name it, there's, there's, narrow side of Denton that I probably haven't been to on foot or by bike. So thank you for being here, Tristan. Yeah, of course. Uh, I should probably introduce myself as well. Uh, so I'm Tristan Zeichel. I'm the executive director of Decriminalized Denton. Uh, this is a group that's been around since the uh, last couple of years in 2020. Uh, summer 2020 is when we formed and uh, our whole campaign from the very beginning has been about enacting a permanent moratorium or a ban on all arrests and citations for uh, misdemeanor cannabis offenses. Um, And so, you know, my background and connection to Denton is, you know, I was a student at University of North Texas for approximately seven years. (laughs) I did my undergrad at, uh, for anthropology major, and then I did my graduate thesis in applied anthropology, uh, fun fact, on psychedelic uh, research. Uh, So that's actually kind of my um, entry point into drug policy reform and cannabis activism. Uh, working on a thesis project about psychedelics, I, I realized that it made sense to start getting involved with activism uh, now, as opposed to waiting for my research findings to get published. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, kind of that was the the beginning of many campaigns that kind of coalesced into decriminalized into now. From my, under- from my understanding, you've been working remotely because um, I've heard <laughs> it's been quite the task that you like. You've been in and out of state, and you've been doing this project like even out of state almost completely across the country, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm based, uh, you know, just outside of Seattle. So it's been, and I've been that way since uh, the summer. Yeah. So, I mean, for the most of the campaign, uh, even though I wasn't in town, you know, it really was a remote capacity because, you know, most of our work, you know, after COVID really started coming in, um, you know, we realized that most of what we need to do really didn't involve you know, going out and doing canvases and stuff like that. That wasn't really necessary at the beginning of our campaign because initially we were trying to work with city council uh, to put together, um, you know, seeing that if we could get a council to adopt something similar that uh, city of Austin adopted in 2019, basically a resolution calling for uh, restriction and how THC funding, uh, concentration funding is given out so that you know, we can make sure that the only instances in which that funding is given is if it's like a violent felony or a high profile commercial trafficking case. And, uh, you know, that actually is what set up Ground Game Texas and doing the work that they did. So, um, 
but yeah, I guess a, a long way of saying, yes, it's been <laughs> a real exciting, uh, fun journey working remotely, but it's, uh, it's quite interesting to see, you know, the kind of influence you can have, um, all while, you know, being, you know, literally like a thousand miles away from the place. Um, but you know, as somebody who has been a dentonite for seven years, I definitely feel that, you know, the campaigns I started there and, and the peers and I started there, um, you know, we absolutely have to finish. <laughs> you can't just, even if you have to leave for economic reasons or other reasons, um, it's still important, I think, to finish things that you start. Um, and that's why, absolutely, I'm going to keep working on this campaign um, at the very minimum until we accomplish what we're trying to do in November. But, you know, we're hopeful that that will just be the beginning of many future efforts because, you know, we really recognize, um, you know, our ordinance as just being kind of a baby step and the wider range of things that need to be done uh, on cannabis and on a number of uh, criminal justice issues. Real quick, as a pretext, uh, you mentioned it just now. Um, can you kind of maybe go into more detail about uh, what happened at city council, kind of that initiative to do things at city council as kind of why we're moving into a um, ballot initiative? Yeah. Um, so I think it'd be good to first discuss a little bit, I guess, about our history, about decriminalized Denton and how we yeah. became involved. Um, so, you know, we first, you know, originally we were kind of a campaign started by Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Uh, that is a, you know, an international youth-led uh, organization. And I, and along with a group of peers, started a chapter of this organization at uh, University of North Texas. Uh, that was actually about the same time I joined the graduate program at UNG, so about August 2018. Um, and then, you know, we were kind of working on a, another campaign trying to change uh, campus disciplinary procedures. And uh, we actually got a, a favorable ruling uh, from the Code of Conduct Board at UNG uh, that following August. So once we kind of got that campaign wrapped up, we pivoted to our next campaign, which was to initially uh, was to kind of build on earlier efforts by was Denton Normal. There was the normal chapter in Denton. Uh, and the middle of the 2010s was trying to do like site and release uh, at the city level, and they failed and were un weren't able to do that. However, uh, we decided to carry on that campaign and see what we could do about, you know, doing something further than site and release in Denton. Um, and so that was, um, you know, really 2019 when that started in earnest. Um, and that was the same year that uh, I believe the hemp uh, law got passed in, in Texas, and that legalized certain percentages of, of uh, THC, right? And that created this kind of whirlwind effect um, in police departments across Texas that were, you know, suddenly they had to turn in these more expensive THC concentration tests in order to have the DA even prosecute any cannabis case. Uh, I know that the Denton County District Attorney, I believe in 2019, said that they would not accept uh, a you know, cannabis possession case or any case unless it had that THC concentration testing with it. Um, now that test, that concentration testing being more expensive than the previous system that just detected, is there any THC in this at all? And with that hemp law passing, making certain percentages legal, you know, now the burden was on the police having to pay for those more expensive tests. So that started uh, making the situation where we were hearing uh, reports on the ground from people in Denton about folks not getting arrested for minor amounts of cannabis. Instead, police officers just writing up a Class C paraphernalia ticket in lieu of an arrest because, uh, you know, the current law in Texas is any, any amount of cannabis up to, you know, two ounces of flower cannabis 
is going to result in a class B misdemeanor offense that, you know, you can be arrested for that. It comes with jail time. Um, however, in 2019, you know, we were hearing reports, uh, actually it was that summer, that we were hearing reports from people that, you know, people aren't getting arrested for certain low amounts. And so, um, you know, wanting to kind of know more about what was going on with that, and at the same time, seeing if the city council at the time would be willing to kind of, you know, make a decision on this and actually move forward some kind of decriminalization resolution, I actually did a speaker report to city council. Um, and at that speaker report, um, I basically just, you know, listed out the various reasons why we need to move forward with the more comprehensive decriminalization path. Uh, and it was actually after my speaker report that Chief Dixon, the chief of police in Dent at the time, uh, came came on uh, and spoke to city council and explained um, kind of his changes that he did to uh, marijuana enforcement in the city. So he kind of just made these new changes to how officers handle cannabis enforcement uh, and didn't really tell anyone about it. He did, did it really under the radar. And, um, you know, it was actually at that council report, I think was the first time that he actually like publicly really announced it. Um, and so, yeah, he, in, in response to the hemp law getting passed, um, you know, he directed his officers to issue a class C paraphernalia ticket in lieu of an arrest for people found with up to one ounce of flower cannabis. Um, so, you know, that was the situation. And, and given that, you know, that was uh, what prompted Deb Armenter, uh, council member Deb Armenter, to propose a, a resolution to the rest of council that they have a work session to, you know, discuss, uh, you know, full ban on cannabis arrests, given these latest developments in the state and what the police chief was doing. Unfortunately, at the time, she was only able to get one other city council member um, to even agree to having that work, uh, work session to discuss it. Um, so given that circumstance, you know, it really was an impetus for people in SSDP and, and, you know, other community activists to get together and, and really banned under decriminalized Denton, formalize it as a, as a campaign um, really dedicated to this cause. And it was at that time that we kind of put together a letter of change, outlined kind of the changes we wanted to see in Denton. Um, and then we just worked on trying to get as much, you know, as many people as possible to sign that letter of change and to add on more organizational sponsors. And, you know, we did that for a little over a year um, that we worked on just kind of building our community uh, development and really kind of, you know, working with city council um, to see if we could get, you know, possibly um, a better result there. And so it was actually, um, actually helped Deb uh, Armenter as her campaign manager for a reelection. She won her reelection. Uh, and then that was um, followed by getting three other more left-leaning um, city council members that following spring. So that I think that was like spring 2021. Um, and so those three new city council members who kind of came uh, in response to Deb winning her re-election, um, they generally, like all three of them, signed our letter of change and were very supportive of you know, a council directed decriminalization effort. And so we thought that we finally found the perfect, um, the perfect setup, right? We finally had a, a council majority, it seemed, because there was four city council members that have, that agree to what we're doing and, and believe that, you know, more can be done at the city level here on the issue of decriminalization. And so, um, you know, the, the following fall, uh, a group of, you know, our kind of core folks at Decriminalized Denton put together, uh, we worked with a city attorney in Dallas to put together an actual 
decriminalization ordinance that would fit within the code of laws and and the specific charter of uh, city of Denton City Code. Um, and so I also worked on getting, I used the Freedom of Information Act request in August of 2020, uh, actually 2021, to get the uh, racial and ethnic breakdown of cannabis arrests in the previous year. And that found a clear disproportionate enforcement of cannabis laws against uh, people of color, particularly black men were being targeted against um, at rates that were totally out of sync, what would be expected. Um, and then we also found that, you know, it was like $13,000 was being wasted in that previous 2020 year um, on THC concentration testing. So once we had that data together, and then once we actually had the ordinance drafted, you know, I put together a speaker report again to city council and, you know, basically outlined the ordinance and the reasons why we should move forward with a more complete cannabis decriminalization model. And the response of that was Deb Armiger doing a two minute pitch um, in support of my ordinance and to see if we could get a work session on it. She got five yeses to that, to doing a work session, which we thought was a huge victory given how challenging it was to just get a work session all those years ago. Um, now, fast forward to this past January, we have that work session under the belief that it's really going to be a way to explore alternatives to the existing cannabis enforcement procedure in, in Denton. Uh, instead, it really was just a way for uh, the chief of police and the judge to kind of come on and explain how great the status quo is in Denton and how, um, and basically the, the, the police were basically just explaining that they're doing everything they can possibly do from a legal perspective. And we're making the case that legally their hands are tied. They can't do anything more than the decriminalization they're already offering, um, which I should clarify because of our meddling and our, uh, I was actually one of our spokesperson uh, met with Chief Dixon and one of the other city council members who wasn't entirely on our side. And this was just this past fall. And it was through these dialogues that our spokesperson mentioned, you know, we're going for um, our current decriminalization ordinance, which asks that, you know, we ban even class A misdemeanors. So that goes up to four ounces of flower cannabis that would be decriminalized. So once we started talking about four ounces and we started saying that, you know, we don't want, um, you know, even city funds to go for THC concentration testing for concentrate situations, uh, that's when Chief Dixon was like, okay, maybe we should increase the amount that we're issuing a Class C paraphernalia ticket from one ounce to two ounces. And so now, as of January, I believe, the policy is that if you're found with up to two ounces of flower cannabis in Denton, um, you're going to get uh, that uh, Class C paraphernalia ticket. So we are going to go into our first sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This is episode 30. My co-host joining me today, Austin Zamhereri, our guest, Tristan Siegel. With Decriminalized Denton, we will be right back after these sponsor messages. Austinite Cannabis Company is an Austin, Texas, locally owned and family operated producer and seller of handcrafted cannabis products 
such as CBD, CBG, CBN, and Delta 8 made from hemp in Austin, Texas. Their selection of products includes beauty products, concentrates, edibles, merch, pet supplies, pre-rolls, tinctures, topicals, and accessories. For more information, visit austinitecannabis.co or you can visit their storefront location at 2009 East Cesar Chavez Street in Austin, Texas. Oakcliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oakcliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their products, quality, or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Texas Cannabis Collective now has a Patreon account for those looking to make recurring donations to the nonprofit and advance cannabis legalization in the state of Texas. Perks include having your name on the credits of our podcast videos, access to exclusive content online, shout outs on the recording of the podcast, and the title of being cool like that. Basic perks cost less than one cup of Starbucks a month and help to make a change in Texas. Visit patreon.com forward slash TX Cannabis Collective for more information. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. Texas, what a wonderful city, it's a good old college town, la 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 la, I'm talking about Denton, Texas, it's a wonderful city. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective, (laughs) this is episode 30, I'm your host Jesse Williams, joined by co-host Austin Zamwary, our guest this week from decriminalized Denton, Tristan Siegel. <laughs> what, what's the selection been absolutely like phenomenal it, for for Dentonites? We love we love talking about Denton. <laughs> oh, we go yeah, we go crazy anytime we see any reference to Denton. It's just like the best thing. I, I saw something about that in King of the Hill like years back, and I'm just like mm, so happy. <laughs> yeah, every intro song this episode is going to be about Denton. Something about Denton I love in the it. song. So we have that this it. week. And and that's kind of what's unique in about Denton, Texas, is that if you're not from Denton, if you've never been north of the DFW Metroplex, and, and for most people, all they know about Denton is that that's where I-35W and I-35E connect, and that's where you head north into Oklahoma. Um, but Denton is a very unique place. Um, it's a very artsy town. Uh, it's like a mini Fort Worth almost, if you will. And it's got just so many cool little trinkets of history. And uh, those of us who grew up and didn't, it's, uh, we love that place, even though we hate that place. But we love that place. <laughs> it's very bittersweet. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember going to Denton, moving there years back. I remember, like, I hated the place <laughs> at first. And it really grew, it really grew on me. And, uh, you know, when I left, it definitely, it'll always feel like home. 
uh, maybe a second home now, but most definitely home. <laughs> also, a real quick shout out to our uh, one of our board members, Josh Kassoff, who is a graduate of UNT and uh, also has a, a strong connection. So, and, and Tristan, you were uh, you've been a contributor of the collective in the past, and so uh, we have a very a very strong Denton bond and. It, uh, all the more reason for us to work together, collaborate, and um, try to achieve this mission uh, in the current ballot initiative phase. So um, you left off last uh, last segment talking about where we had gone as far as city council was going, um, and now maybe we can transition into where where we're at now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, pretty much, you know, the the last work session that we had was in January. You know, the police chief basically unveils his new policy of issuing a Class C paraphernalia in lieu of an arrest for instances uh, involving cannabis possession up to two ounces of flower cannabis. Um, in response to that, you know, and also in response to the fact that Ground Game Texas and a host of campaigns are doing uh, cannabis decriminalization uh, municipal approach across various cities in Texas, we realize that time is now for and right for us to move forward with a ballot initiative. In fact, from day one, you know, it was, we've always known that the easier route of form, or refor- making reform at the municipal level is, of course, just getting council members, a majority on council, to agree with you and then pass forth the, you know, a sensible resolution or ordinance. Um, given that we were unable to do that after trying years and trying under a conservative majority council, and then we tried under a more liberal-leaning council, and we were still, you know, ultimately unsuccessful in either approach. So we realized that council is not going to be the way to go because at the end of the day, the council really doesn't want to cause any friction with the police chief or at the state. And so we're going to really, we're going to have to, we're going to really try to generate positive friction with state leadership and create some needed pressure on this issue. We realized like we have to let voters decide this issue here in Denton. Um, and so, you know, that's when uh, we segue to our plan B, which from the very beginning, our plan B was always the ballot campaign route. <clears throat> and that's always been a, a a backup strategy for us. Uh, again, I, I kind of use my own experience as a Dentonite and informing a lot of our strategy. When I first moved to Denton, one thing that really caught my attention was the fact that uh, they were working on frack-free Denton. They were trying to uh, do a ballot campaign to um, actually ban fracking in the city of Denton, and they were successful in getting the signatures needed. Um, and they actually did it at the council level or at the, you know, at the municipal level. Uh, obviously, that change didn't last for long. <laughs> the state leadership came down really hard on Denton for doing that. However, that always kind of left a big impression to me. And, and it's something that we always knew that Denton, as a home rule city, had the capacity to do uh, a municipal level ballot campaign. I know not necessarily all Texan communities have that ability, but Denton does. And historically, Denton has passed, you know, even a, I would argue that that even that anti-fracking, while it shouldn't be as controversial as it is, um, is still probably a more controversial take than what we're doing. So we really felt that, you know, we have the um, the right, you know, kind of situation to move forward with a, um, you know, signature gathering petition. And so, you know, that's when it was actually right after that January work session that we got together as a group and we decided that we need to go forth the ballot campaign route. Um, I actually, you know, was uh, in close collaboration with uh, the political director at uh, Ground Game Texas. Uh, previously, we had been working uh, together in 2021 and kind of, you know, discussing strategy and uh, language for the ordinance itself. 
Um, but you know, it was actually in 2022 after this work session uh, that we decided that we need to actually partner up. And so Ground Game and Decriminalized Denton uh, since about February have been <clears throat> an open partnership with each other uh, on this campaign. And so what that partnership has looked like is them working uh, and actually helping us create the petition document itself and the language for everything and making sure that you know our ordinance matches with the existing uh, code of law and in Denton. Um, and it also looked like it also looks like them helping us with the verification and data management. Um, everything else is on us. So that looks like a lot of you know volunteers, uh, boots on the ground, folks actually getting the signatures. We have to get uh, 1,745 signatures uh, by April 20th is kind of our unofficial campaign deadline. Technically, we need them in by May 7th, uh, but it's always good to have a couple of weeks uh, before that so that we can go finalize the verification and make sure that all the signatures we collected are good and you know work on getting um, filling in any missing boxes that people may forgot while filling out our petition. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's always a good idea to have extra signatures because there's yes. going to be people who are not registered to vote because that's another thing. They have to be registered <laughs> to vote for their signature to count in Texas. Um, there's and, any... Yeah. No, it's, sorry. I was just going to say, they're not just registered to vote, registered to vote in Denton, to clarify, because yeah. that is a big detail. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, it's really sad because Denton is like the county seat. Um, and so you'll get folks from all across the county who really want to help out, uh, really want to sign it. But, you know, they live um, in Crum or they they don't live an actual, they are not registered in Denton. Um, so they can't sign it. However, just because you can't sign it doesn't mean you can't donate to our cause. Um, and those donation funds will be used to helping pay for canvassers and also pay for literature and, and other stuff to make our, you know, campaigning a little bit easier. Um, and, you know, the, of course, you can always, even if you're in the county, especially if you're in the county, you can actually help us collect signatures. You can come into Denton and help on any of the days. We, we get help from folks. You know, Austin actually has been a big contributor um, to our canvassing efforts. And I know Austin travels all the way from Fort Worth up here. So, um, so we really appreciate that, but you know, that's the kind of support that it takes and, and that we'll need in order to be successful. Cause again, you know, we are entirely volunteer led and, um, you know, we just recently got organized as a political action committee. And I say recently, like a week ago. And so we've only from about a week ago, been able to start accepting donations, um, of a serious kind. So, um, so we're hopeful that, you know, by getting more support and getting more exposure on this, that we'll get the necessary support needed in time to get the signatures. But keep in mind, once we get the signatures, it's not the end of the show, right? We still have to make sure it actually passes in November. And I think it was Julie Oliver, the executive director of Ground Game Texas, who coined an ingenious phrase, um, the Texas two-step, totally valid here, right? So this is really the strategy. The first step is getting the signatures and meeting that threshold in time, uh, only a month left. And then the second step is actually making sure it passes in November. So it is a two-step process here. Going back to what we were talking, you mentioned earlier that the, the chief of police was doing this Class C paraphernalia charge. It, it was <laughs> just astounding that like Austin and I were at the Capitol and the chief of police from Grand Prairie was there to testify about penalty reduction and to told pretty much the committee during the hearing exactly what you were saying was that they were no longer arresting uh, people for Class B marijuana possession, but they were instead reducing the charge to a Class C paraphernalia charge and pretty much doing a form of slight release with that. And it became, right. why are you so opposed to changing the law if you're basically already trying to do that? 
that's that's literally been my argument to, to the police chief and through you know city council for so long. You know, I just yeah, it is a great that's a great point. Um, you know, there's not I don't think that they have a real you know strong case defending you know that that system. I mean, you know, the, the argument's always been thrown at us is that you know that's something that that state legislators should should decide. You know, I we can only do so much as law enforcement leaders, but then a lot of those same law enforcement leaders go to the state legislature and then make their their political weight known there as well and use their influence to manipulate legislature and to a situation that we find ourselves now. Um, again, this is why I think it's so important that we get more municipalities to, to uh, go for a campaign that decriminalized Denton is trying to do. And the more towns that we get to adopt a decriminalization ordinance, it's going to make it to where de facto it is decriminalized across the state. And if enough cities do that, we feel that that will be enough pressure to um, to kind of take out some of those other influences that we're that we're historically battling against, and that is, you know, police chiefs that are bitter towards change. Uh, but you also have police unions, prison unions. I mean, there's a lot of invested interest in making sure that decriminalization ever really takes off. So that's why I think it's so important that uh, we're able to be successful here in Denton, and we can use that as an example and hopefully a beacon of hope to our county and to the surrounding area that cities can do this and can lead the change. And if we get enough cities to do it, that might be the appropriate amount of pressure needed to apply to state leadership and get folks like Lieutenant Governor and uh, other people to actually consider uh, popular um, bipartisan, you know, decriminalization bills, right, that keep getting passed out of the House, but never mysteriously keep dying on our Lieutenant Governor's desk every time they reach the Senate. Um, yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm glad yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned uh, the Lieutenant Governor because um, you know, to just today, we've been looking at some of the lieutenant governor's work that has been going on in the um, Texas Supreme Court as far as the smokable hemp ban. And here we sit 10 days from legalization in New Mexico. And, um, you know, it's like Texas is still dealing with this. It's um, we have to start doing things at the local level in the interim to, to just weigh people like the lieutenant governor. So bravo. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, I mean, the other thing about the way Texas government works, I mean, the legislature only meets every, you know, once every two years. So, you know, what do you do with the off season, right? Are we just, you know, because I, I know, you know, I've, I've been plugged in for cannabis activism for at least four or five years now. And what I've noticed is that there is a plenty of folks doing the activism at the state level. You'll always see, you know, all these uh, photos and, and stories and testimonials of people coming to the Capitol, making their case known. I mean, the Capitol does sit in Austin. There's the host of people in that city that can come out and show the support to the Capitol and, and to speak on state issues. I, we've never historically really seen any interest or any movement at the city level or the municipal level because people have just kind of forgotten about it. But, you know, something that was imparted on me years ago, I forgot even who, um, it's just the value that the biggest change you can make is actually the, the change at the level of government that's closest to you. So that's local. Yeah. We are going to go into our next sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This is episode 30. Our guest, Tristan Siegel of Decriminalized Denton. We will be right back.
Austinite Cannabis Company is an Austin, Texas, locally owned and family operated producer and seller of handcrafted cannabis products such as CBD, CBG, CBN, and Delta 8 made from hemp in Austin, Texas. Their selection of products includes beauty products, concentrates, edibles, merch, pet supplies, pre-rolls, tinctures, topicals, and accessories. For more information, visit austinitecannabis.co or you can visit their storefront location at 2009 East Cesar Chavez Street in Austin, Texas. Oakcliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oakcliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their products, quality, or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Texas Cannabis Collective now has a Patreon account for those looking to make recurring donations to the nonprofit and advance cannabis legalization in the state of Texas. Perks include having your name on the credits of our podcast videos, access to exclusive content online, shout outs on the recording of the podcast, and the title of being cool like that. Basic perks cost less than one cup of Starbucks a month and help to make a change in Texas. Visit patreon.com forward slash TX Cannabis Collective for more information. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, joined by co-host Austin Zam Harari, our guest this week from Decriminalized Denton, Tristan Siegel. We were talking about collecting signatures, canvassing, trying to convince the city council to to change the ordinance. And personally, I say I prefer the signature collection method of getting people to do this because as we've seen in Austin. And even San Marcos. San Marcos is its weird little unique thing. But Austin, they put in a resolution, as we mentioned earlier. And the resolution was kind of like, pretty please, pretty please don't arrest people. We really don't want to spend money on that. And the police kind of were like, tough. And it was, there were still arrests going on. Nowhere near as many, but they were still happening. And then it finally took us having a DA that was like, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to prosecute it for them to finally realize that it, w- it wasn't going to happen. And now we're at the point where we're having to do the ballot signature item on a local level, just to really reinforce to the police. Like this isn't something the DA is doing. Stop protesting the DA. The people literally want this as the last police chief right. stated. Yeah. Um, this just reminded me a fun fact that our police chief or our former um, chief Dixon actually used to be the police chief in Austin. So it's just, uh, it's funny how, um, 
you know, it all, it's all connected, but, um, yeah, no, I mean that, that, that kind of situation that you're speaking to, I mean, the, the change that, you know, even Austin adopted back in 2019, um, while it didn't, you know, it didn't do enough, right. A resolution isn't nearly as binding as an ordinance. And that's one of the problems. Right. Um, and then the other issue, I mean, you're definitely right. Like not, I think having a reason to go out to the polls is always good. And, and it's definitely a good, you know, way to drive out youth engagement, maybe uh, engage voters that don't traditionally vote or don't, you know, don't really feel represented in the, in the traditional political process. Um, you know, it also comes with a lot of cost, right? And as a group that was entirely, you know, not seeking donations or money and trying to do this uh, while also, you know, being respectful of all of our own lives and capacities, you know, we really wanted to see if we could make working with council work. And uh, I think I was inspired largely because of, you know, there's been these efforts, decriminalized nature uh, has been a, a group that has successfully passed um, can't, or actually psychedelic decriminalization or uh, resolutions, not ordinances, um, through various city councils and just through city councils, really not through ballot initiative process. Um, so, you know, we were trying to think if we could kind of tap into that logic of just trying to convince, um, you know, city council members through evidence and through discussion. And, uh, you know, the irony is that we did convince a lot of people. People did agree with what we were doing. They, at just the end of the day, just weren't willing to, um, you know, take the political, um, you know, potential risk or uh, hit that could come with challenging the state on this issue. So, you know, I mean, it, it comes to the end of the day, I, I, I think that, you know, we did everything the way that we need to do. And I'm glad that it all kind of went down the way it did, because, you know, we're now collecting signatures during a phase where there are four other cities in Texas doing the same thing, which is really cool, because if we can get enough cities uh, this election cycle to pass this, you know, there's a little bit of protection that I think is afforded through that. And I think it helps guarantee that, you know, not one city is going to be singled out by the state. Uh, and trying to shut this down. And in fact, the opposite could be true. And we could, you know, maybe see a domino effect and uh, hopefully get other cities to fall suit uh, with this petition process. But I mean, we're also hopeful that if we can get it done here in Denton, again, without spending pretty much any money, um, we're hopeful that we can show other activists in the state that they can also, you know, run a ballot campaign on the cheap <laughs> and, you know, get change done. Uh, just by really relying on people in the community that are willing to engage on this issue and just donate a little bit of time it takes to just get some signatures, right? Um, I was going to say what's encouraging about that is that it really is about putting the power back in the hands of the people. Absolutely. And that's what's, that, it just feels like that's what's missing, you know, uh, in a lot of other states, they've been able to do a ballot initiative to make medical marijuana or legalization laws. Um, and just in the state of Texas, that's not how it works. Right. Uh, but at the local level, we are able to, in our local communities, which actually matter most in the state of Texas, supposedly, mm -hmm. uh, that it, it really does feel empowering to the, to the grassroots individual. And it's right. nice to see that shift happen. Yeah, I mean, it was really, I think it was shocking for me as somebody you know, I've, I've gone through the you know, cannabis criminal justice system. You know, I've, I've been on that experience of it uh, and I've been on the activist side. And I think a lot of activists are people who have been personally or know people who have been personally affected by these laws. So, you know, just in that, that experience and speaking from that experience, like I can see how much change that we've made 
but you know, I, I think you know, years ago, if you would have talked to me about this, I would have never, I wouldn't have felt um, safe enough to really come forward. I think a lot of people, especially if you've been personally affected, you know, there's a couple routes you can do with that information. And one is to abandon it and to abandon that community and that way of life or to go underground, you know, to be even more careful and just be more secretive about what you're doing. And then I think the third, and I think the most liberating option, at least the most liberating option for me, was actually becoming an activist on this issue and trying to use that experience to help open new doors for people and maybe change policy that directly impacted me in a negative way. Um, And to that that in, you know that that effect you know we've already seen in my own community and just the time I've been there tremendous I mean pretty significant changes um, policies you know that the changes that even have been done in Denton now would have been very helpful for me and I know a host of other people years ago um, but we also know that getting hit with a three hundred dollar paraphernalia citation you know for a lot of struggling families especially as rent continues to go up and uh, cost of living continues to go up and wages aren't going anywhere. So what that means is that getting hit with even a paraphernalia ticket, you know, that could be very serious for a lot of struggling families. Um, and let's not, you know, keep in mind that uh, there's, you know, the even the protections that, that city police are doing, that doesn't even apply to people on, on universities, uh, at UNT or TWU or the sheriffs, right? Um, and, and then the, our other fear is that that change was just done by the police. It's a police directive. It can be undone by a new police and a new police directive. And the scary thing is, is that, um, you know, we used to think that Chief Dixon was in it for the long haul, but he recently, you know, he's accepted assistant city manager position at Denton and he is leaving that position. So they will hire a new uh, police chief and that could totally change the cannabis enforcement. Likely that they will probably keep that in place. Um, However, you know, again, that's, it's a fickle policy and that's why we need, you know, an actual voter pass ordinance uh, that can truly be locked in stone and permanent and truly protect people beyond, you know, the political changings uh, and whims of, you know, our police leadership here. Yeah. It, it, it can even happen with the city council when city council members change. San Marcos saw something similar right. where they their city council put in sight and release. They made an ordinance for it. The police chief was on board with the results of it. And we found out because there a new city council member came on and immediately was like, well, we need a, we need to reevaluate this site and release program. This can't be good for our community that we have something like this going on. And the only like saving grace was that they called in the police chief to testify at a council meeting. And he basically told me, he goes, I'm, I'm on board with it. I'm okay. So the city council was like, well, the police chief is on board with it. We're not going to really put up a fight with what the police chief wants with that. So we were saved by that. Exactly. But then if the police chief changes, where does it go from there? What kind of support would be in place? And I just believe in a world where our, our you know, people that can affect policy change are in our local community, are actors beyond just the, the police leadership, right? I think, you know, uh, if the council doesn't feel bold enough to, to speak about very important policy issues and to actually make sensible decisions on it, then us voters, us regular everyday people have to be the ones to be the, the true agent of change for our policy. We can't just, you know, defer to our leaders and expect that they'll in good time get it all resolved because how many lives are getting upended while we wait, right? While we just indefinitely are patient for state leadership to get its act together, to just be, you know, do enough assessment and do enough evidence review of all the places that are successfully, you know, um, doing much more than what Texas is doing in terms of cannabis policy. Yeah. The sky is not falling as we were told for years. (laughs) 
And it's kind of disappointing that some people are still trying to use that as an answer, like that the world, the community is going to fall apart and it's obvious right. that's not going to happen. And I, you know, I live in a you know state where it is legal, it's recreational, all that stuff. But, you know, living here has really kind of taught me, uh, has reminded me the importance of getting cannabis like regulation correct the first try. <laughs> um, and so, you know, because Washington was one of the first states to, to legalize it, there's still like a host of criminal justice issues that have plagued it uh, that have yet to really get have gotten resolved because, you know, it kind of started so early into the game. Um, and so Texas, by, you know, just being so indefinitely um, outdated on the system, you know, we do kind of have an exciting opportunity to do either cannabis regulation or decriminalization the right way, right? Um, and so that's kind of what's exciting about this, right? That because it really, we haven't seen a, a above market truly created beyond the limited medical marijuana program that exists here, you know, we really have an opportunity to, to do this right and make it more of an equity focused um, shift. And I think that that's why decriminalization has been so important to us at Decrim Denton um, and to a lot of activists in this world, because we really think that decriminalization has to happen either before or in conjunction to legalization in order for legalization to truly be ethical. Otherwise, we just don't want a situation where we're kind of replicating some of the same harms to the drug war, uh, but just under a different system, you know. Well, as we wrap up here, I'll let you talk about something that you may have on your mind you didn't get to get out before and plug your website and how people can find out more about decriminalized Denton. Absolutely. So you go to decrimdenton.org and that will give you just everything, all the information you need to learn how to sign our resolution or our ordinance if you're actually a registered voter in the city of Denton. Uh, if you're not a registered voter in the city of Denton and you would like to help, there's also a volunteer link on that website as well. Um, and again, that's, and you can also donate. It's also a great opportunity to donate on that website. Our suggested donation is $420, $4.20. <laughs> um, and we will... This weekend, we're going to be doing our first kind of big weekend of action. Well, we've been doing a lot of canvassing, a lot of door knocking, but this first weekend is going to be, this upcoming weekend is going to be a really big event for us, going to different neighborhoods across Denton and trying to actually knock on people's doors to get them to sign our, our ordinance here. So um, that's going to be on the 26th, Saturday, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We'll meet at 11 a.m. at Fred Moore Park in Denton. Um, definitely check us out and we're going to be putting that event up uh, this afternoon with Texas Cannabis Collective. So we'll have that event on our Facebook uh, and that should be on Texas Cannabis Collective Facebook as well. So thanks for listening and hope to see y'all help out. <laughs> well, as we wrap it up here, I want to thank you for your time, Tristan, coming on to the show and informing everybody about what's going on with Decriminalized Denton. I have just yes. a few announcements. Um, if you noticed in our break, we have a Patreon account now. So you can go to patreon.com forward slash TX Cannabis Collective. And like I said, less than a couple of Starbucks a month. You get you get access to some videos, some photos we've taken that we didn't really we didn't post up, a bunch of extras. And you're helping with groups like ourselves to go out and help Mr. Siegel to do this type of work. This you get shout like his a it's a shout like the shout out we will we will we have a perk where you spend enough we will talk about you on this show as well i want to announce that we have our veterans wing website up and running for veterans educating texans vet coalition you can reach it easily veterans.educatingtexans.org 
or if you're want to type in something simpler, txvetco.org, texasvetco.org, and you can find out more information about the upcoming conference we have at the Clean Civic and Conference Center on April 16th. We wish everybody have a great week. Adios.